The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm a little verklempt um, because we've been promising you for the last couple of weeks that we had a big announcement that was coming. And uh, by the way, happy International Podcast Day for those of you who are tuning in because it's International Podcast Day. We got a big, big show for you. And we're going to start out with a big, big announcement. That was the last time you're going to see that opener uh, because uh, Autism Live is going to be changing pretty substantially. And we want to give a big shout out and some big love to CARD, who the CARD uh, organization has been, uh, well, amazing. I get the glimpse, yeah, um, and has given us a home and has nurtured us and given us the ability to grow um, as we needed to. And recently, when after my, I watched my son walk across the stage and graduate from high school, and I felt a pull. I felt a pull that I um, had been feeling for a while, but it sort of solidified when I walk, watched him walk across the stage that it was time for me to graduate. And... Um, and that I, there are stories that I want to tell about autism that don't fit in the current format that we're doing. And I went uh, to the fabulous Tony Kilgore, who is now the CEO of CARD. And I said to him, I got to go. I got to go. I got stories to tell. I got things to do. And it has been such an honor, the honor of my lifetime to have my child first treated at CARD and then to get our lives back and then to have the opportunity to come and work at CARD and to be able to be with the families at CARD and I hope to have made a difference, but that it was time for me to go. Like all things, there is a season and it was time for me to go. And bless Tony's heart. He, he was like, are you sure? Are you sure you got to go? And I said, yes, I got to go because I got stories I got to tell. And I told him, you know, this is the mission that I need to be on. There's stories that I need to tell. And um, Tony came back a couple of days later and said, would it help you to take Autism Live with you? So I have to tell you that Autism Live in the way that we know it is going to change exponentially and that we owe so much to CARD, to their ongoing work, the work that they are doing, and for their recognition of the fact that we have a bigger story to tell that needs to be more multimedia in a different way, and that their mission is about providing top quality ABA therapy. And so they are giving us our wings. And isn't that a lovely thing? 
you know, when people are about doing the right thing and they do it over and over and over again, good things happen. And that's what Dr. Graham Pichet has always said. You do the right thing often enough and good things happen. And over the years, I have watched Card continually make the good choice. And this is just another one of them. So they're giving us our wings. This will be the last show that we do presented by Card. And we're incredibly grateful to them. We will be back on the air, I hope next Wednesday. <laughs> like, like, keep your fingers crossed as everything transfers over. We will be back on the air next Wednesday uh, as Autism Live still, um, but not presented by card. Um, and uh, with a lot of the same elements, we will have Dr. Grand Pichet on and we will be featuring some of the same things, but I can't wait to unveil to you some of the things that we're going to be doing, starting with that on Wednesday, you will see the new opener for our show is completely created top and bottom, top to bottom uh, by individuals on the autism spectrum. The concept for the idea, the artwork, the music that will play all paid for uh, by artists on the autism spectrum. And this is a direction we feel very strongly that we must go. We have to, and we want to, but it's the right thing to do. So you're gonna see much more of that. I will tell you that there will be uh, a lot of announcements of things coming forward, but I've had the opportunity to dream and dream big. We're gonna run that up the flagpole and, and see, I think you guys are gonna be excited, but you'll tell me if you're not, and then we'll move on from there. But there's gonna be new programming that's gonna be coming, that's going to be for and from stories uh, of a neurodivergent world, for and from a neurodivergent world. So won't that be exciting? I'm so proud. It's, a it's, a, it's time, it's time. We're going to graduate all together. Isn't that amazing? It uh, doesn't mean that we're going to leave behind some of the really good things like jargon of the day. Uh, we're going to continue all those things, but I hope you'll make this leap with us. There will be a pause. There will be no live show tomorrow. There will be no live show on Monday or Tuesday, uh, but we will be back with Ask Dr. Doreen on Wednesday. So uh, stick with us. Stay tuned. Now for today, there's this tradition, because you know if you watch the show that I used to be a college professor, and uh, there is a tradition in the world of universities where when a professor is leaving for any reason to go on to another university or to go on to something else or to take a new position, that they have an opportunity to give a last lecture. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for indulging me. I'm about to give my last lecture in honor of uh, World Podcast Day. We're giving you my top 10 tips for parents. So uh, I, I'll try not to weep too much, but these are all things that are pretty important to me. And I think that they're the recipes for success. So write in, tell us you agree, you disagree. I could have put 308, but we I hope we have time for 10. Let's see. So drum roll, please. Let's start out with tip number one. Use, and you've heard me say this before, use all of the hours of ABA you can get funded. Absolutely all of them. So if there, and, and we know that this is not a one size fits all, everyone doesn't get funding for the same number of hours, but my goodness, if somebody gives you the funding for eight hours of ABA, use eight 
push for nine, but use eight. If they give you 15, you better use them all. And if you are lucky enough to be like I was and to, I fought, 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 fought to get 40 hours of ABA for my child. And then I had to fight to keep them. Right. And I'm not talking fisticuffs fight, but you know, yakety yak, send the email, do everything that you have to do. But if you've got funding for it, let me just tell you how many people fought so hard for you to have the funding to be able to do this. Uh, now, for those of you who are not ABA fans, stay tuned because I have something for you as well. But if you've got funding for ABA, it's use it or lose it, baby. If you don't use it right now, I'm telling you later on, you're going to go, oh my gosh, why didn't we use that when we had it? Please. I, I've said this a million times and I'm going to say it one more time. I have never heard a parent say, oh my gosh, you know what? I wish we hadn't done ABA or wish we hadn't done as much of it. Not ever, not ever. But I have heard, especially when we're talking about good quality ABA, which I'm going to get to in a second, but I have heard parents of kids that are older now say, you know what? I wished we'd shopped around. I wished we'd found the provider and I wished we'd done more of it because you don't get the opportunity later on. So if you've got it, use it. All right, let's move on to tip number two. Tip number two, wait, I got to change the slide. There we go. Don't let anyone tell you what isn't possible. You know, Maya Angelou used to say, never take a no from somebody who wasn't authorized to give you a yes. And let me just tell you where your kiddo on the autism spectrum is concerned or where you're concerned, nobody knows better than that individual, right? So if somebody tells you it's not possible, I want you to laugh in the wind because they don't know. You don't have to carry that baggage with you. Laugh in the wind and move forward. I, If I had a nickel for everybody told me all the things that my son wasn't going to be able to do, malarkey. <laughs> El Toro poo, poo You know what I'm saying? We don't, we, like, don't let anybody tell you. You know for yourself. And you don't know until you try. So don't, if somebody tells you to give up hope, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Don't let anybody tell you what isn't possible. They don't know because you can never count out the human spirit. Not ever. All right. Tip number three. We need a drum roll, Traven. Uh, this is this is the big one. For those of you who are on the first slide, I lost you where you're like, I don't want to do ABA. ABA, I don't like it. It's not good. It doesn't take into account the individual. I want to tell you that I hear you. I have heard you. I'm always going to hear you. And you have your right to have whatever opinion you have. But what if, what if, what if what you're talking about is different than what I'm talking about? This is really the thing. What about you're talking about the color red and I'm talking about the color blue, but we're both using the words ABA. There is a sharp difference in the world between good quality ABA and what many are calling ABA. Let me just tell you a little bit about the hallmarks of ABA. ABA is always individualized, always. So if somebody is telling you your child needs to be able to do X or you need to be able to do, mm, I don't know. It's individualized. It's not a one size fits all thing. It can't be. ABA is a set of tools and it comes down to how does somebody use those tools to teach? And there are people who do it well and do it ethically. And I am so sorry 
to tell you that there are people who don't and there are people who haven't. And for all of my friends who are self-advocates, who I know this is the big disappointment to you that I'm that I am pro ABA, but let me be clear, I'm pro good quality ABA, not ABA that doesn't consider the rights of an individual. That is not ABA to me. If you look at the principles of ABA, it says that it has to be meaningful to the individual. So people who are trying to get other people to just mask, that is not good quality ABA. It's a teaching tool. If you are going to fifth grade and you want to learn about astronomy, I am not changing who you are in teaching you about astronomy, but I'm giving you skills which you can apply to yourself and to the world that maybe there is some self-discovery in finding out about astronomy because as you think about how scientists looked into the heavens, it has you question and and evaluate for yourself. So maybe it has an impact on who you are, but it should not, good teaching should not attempt to change who you are or to have you pretend to be like someone else. If I teach you about astronomy, I'm not asking you to think like the student next to you. I'm giving you the knowledge to apply it to your life in a way that is meaningful to you. This is what ABA is as a teaching tool. I know that in the past, there were people who did experimentation and tried to see, you know, they didn't really understand uh, self-stimulatory behavior, automatic reinforcing behavior. I think the research has come so far on that. And I think our empathy as individuals has come so far, but I'm with you on this. We need to keep teaching people in this field, the field of ABA, that Every behavior has a reason. Every behavior has a reason. And if somebody is rocking, there is a reason. And we can't just take that behavior away from that person. That's unethical. It's unkind. It's not productive, right? Uh, because it's not happening in a vacuum. It's there for a reason. Now, if the rocking is preventing the person, if there is a need to rock and it's preventing them from being able to do something else that they want, because if what you want is to be a world-class painter and if you have a constant need to rock, it's, it might be difficult. You might be able to work it out or it might be difficult. But the question becomes, how do we fulfill the need for the person in both directions so that they can paint and that they can get the need met for rocking? We don't say to them, stop rocking, because that's not going to work. We know behaviorally that doesn't work. So I want to say to you that there are ethical people who are about advancing individuals on the autism spectrum, and they are doing first rate. on that, that you join me and that we together make a difference. All right. Uh, so I hope that makes sense. Ask for the good ABA. Don't, don't take the bad ABA. Okay. I, we, we, our internet connection went a little wonky. Are we still good, Traven? Do I need to go back over any of that? Internet, be with me. I'm doing a last lecture. Okay, so what I want to say is, uh, the, Traven said, repeat that last little bit. 
be with me on this. We're fighting really hard for the rights of individuals on the autism spectrum, but let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. There are good teachers out there who care and they're using ABA techniques to give people the ability to do the things that they wanna do. Let's join together. But let's also make sure that people aren't doing schlocky ABA that doesn't take into account the individual. Let's stamp that out together. All right, let's work together. Moving on, tip four. Here we go. Prioritize health and healthcare. Let me hit with you with some realities here. That if you are the parent of an individual who's on the autism spectrum, you have a, a, a need to be there for your child, right? And you have a need to advocate for your child, whether your child is two or you have an adult child who's 48. They are going to need health care and you are going to need health care. That's just an eventuality. It's not a question of, you know, if, it's when. And so often you're going to find that the healthcare system doesn't yet know how to deal with healthcare issues for that are on the autism spectrum. So help them by advocating for them, help them by demonstrating the behavior for them. You need to model getting good health care for your children of all ages. Because here's the thing, this is a stressful little path that you're on. And if you aren't there for your child, that would be the worst thing, right? So we have to prioritize their health and your health. And honestly, the best gift you can give your child is the gift of being there and showing them how to take care of themselves, right? So model that behavior. We've seen time and time again, it's just heartbreaking to me. Parents who end up, their kids end up doing great, but one or more of the parents isn't there at the end, at the finish line, to see how great their kids are doing because they didn't, they they backburnered their healthcare, didn't get to the doctor, didn't catch something when it might've been helpful. I gotta be honest, I did this and I live in fear because of it and I'm trying very hard to prioritize healthcare now. I, if there was one thing that I could change, it would be this. People told me prioritize healthcare and I didn't always do it. Can I be honest about that? And it makes a difference. If you keep going and you keep going, eventually something breaks. Don't let it be you. Don't let it be you. And certainly don't let it be your child. So somewhere on your list of priorities, you got to put the healthcare thing. So moving on to tip number five, set your priorities. Like I've said before that we created a manifesto. My husband and I sat down because it seemed like our world after our son was diagnosed was different. And it wasn't different. Uh, I won't say that I was afraid that things were worse and that uh, we weren't going to recover from it. That was what I was afraid of, but that wasn't the reality. But we needed to pay attention to what was different. So we sat down and we made a list for ourselves. We called it our manifesto. And it was the thing that was going to help us through this murky time where we weren't sure who we were or where we were going, right? So we wrote out a bunch of things and then we rewrote it and we said, what's most important right now? Now for us, we said that the single most important thing was, I will be honest, the, uh, eventually I changed it, but 
the, the first thing was that our son be safe and be well, right? Uh, but part of the being well, which became the second one, was for him to get his early intensive behavioral intervention, which we got at CARD, by the way. And we said that him getting that full prescription, which for him was 40 hours, he was three years old, and we said, we got to go all in on this. So that's the next priority. And the next priority after that was not to be homeless. You want to talk about let's get real here? Not to be homeless. Can I tell you, stop and think about that, the thought process that that took. We put the therapy above homelessness. Now, you might choose a different order, but I think it's important to set your priorities. And to that end, to not be homeless, we knew that one of us, both of us had to be working, but one of us we had to prioritize so that we would have health care. So we prioritized my husband's job. That's what was fourth. And my job didn't even make the top 10. My work, my career, the things that I had going in my life didn't even make the top 10. Now, before you feel sorry for me, I signed up for that. I said, back burner. It wasn't gone forever. Look at me. I'm back here doing crazy things, right? I'm okay. But that was a choice that I made. I wouldn't ask anybody to make those choices unless it was theirs to make, right? And my husband said, you're sure about this? Yes, I'm 100%. Let's go all in. I needed to, I needed that. I needed to be a part of what was going to happen. I'm way too much of a control freak. And I waited way too long to have my son to be like, let somebody else do that, right? Uh, so that became clear. We were like, okay, we got this under control. And, and we taped it to the inside of a kitchen cabinet. Great. And I felt like, okay, I know what we're doing now. We've got a new directive. We're going to do this new thing. Fabulous. But you know, when I really saw the benefit of it was when something would happen. There was in the second year that my son was doing therapy, there was an issue that came up and my son, my husband came to me and he said, I don't know what to do. He had been offered a role in a film. My husband's an actor. He'd been offered a role in a film, but he had to go to the desert for, I don't know what it was, five days or how many days it was that he had to go to the desert to film. And we had a pretty, you know, crazy machine that was going. My son had to be driven here. This had to happen. This had to whatever. And I was still working. It just wasn't a priority, right? It just, it was there. And if I could make money, great. But, you know, if I had, to, if somebody had to call in sick, it was me. So my husband gets offered this you know, go film a movie. And he said, I don't think I should take it. And I said, let's get out the manifesto. Shall we take a look at it? What's number one, right? So this is not going to jeopardize our son's safety. Is it going to jeopardize his therapy? No, it's not. I'll clear my decks. Is it going to prevent us from being homeless? Quite the opposite. Being in a movie pays well. Uh, it's going to help us. And then the third is, you know, the next one down, the fourth one is your career. I think we're good. We, it's, it helps, you know, helps or doesn't hinder the top four. Honey, go to the desert, make the movie. And he was like, I feel like I'm abandoning you. I was like, you're not abandoning me. I'm okay. Now, if he was going to go for a year, maybe we would have had a different conversation because maybe it would have affected our son's ability to get therapy. I will tell you that in that same year, 
a college called and asked if I would come and teach. And it was not where we lived halfway across the country. And we said, I said, Oh, Oh, I kind of would like to teach there. That'd be great. That'd be fun. Let's get out the manifesto. And we looked at the manifesto and I said, Oh, this like, is there good quality ABA there? No, there wasn't. And for me, that was it. My husband felt terrible. And he, I said, you know what, if I'm meant to teach, there'll be more teaching, but I already chose this. Now, later on, when our son was doing better, we, there was a time when we pulled out the manifesto and we said, you know what? I don't think this manifesto fits anymore. I think it's time to reorder a couple of things. And eventually my job and my career came back on the list, right? And we changed things up. Can I tell you that when my son was significantly older and a teenager, we were hitting all these, all this time where we needed to go and do something and he wanted to sit and play video games, you know? And so I said to him, I said, let's make a list. Let's make a list of all the things that are important to us, shall we? And we sat down as a family. We wrote everything down and he participated in it. And I said, on this list, what's most important? And I let him choose. And we kept choosing and choosing and choosing. And I said, oh, okay. So here's our list of what's most important. Where's video games? Video games was like 42. Um, He chose it as number 42. And I said, so when we got to go someplace or you got school, where is the video game on the list? And I said, and he didn't like that. Boy, he was like, "Mm, I've been tricked. And I said, we can move it up. Where would you like to put it? Would you like to move it ahead of this? And he, no, that's not more important than that. Is it more important than this? No, (laughs) it moved up, but I think it moved up to like 19. And then when I would ask him to put the video game down and give him time and, you know, whatever, it was much easier because he understood this is a choice. I've already talked about this. And while it's fun, it's not a priority in my lifetime. So set your priorities, put them someplace. And then when tough stuff happens, you can look at it and have peace of mind. Or you look at it and go, you know what? This doesn't jive with who we are anymore. Let's change it. Let's reorder it and have it be, let's live with purpose, right? So set your priorities. All right, it makes a difference. All right, we're moving along here. (gasps) Number six, it's my favorite one. Celebrate. You know, there's a lot of things that come with having a child diagnosed with autism that in the beginning can be hard and difficult. And there are some things that you got to grieve along the way, right? But on the, there's every, there's a yin and yang to everything. And I can tell you that if you're in a place where you're like, "Mm, that's where I am. Autism is a hard thing, right? I want to tell you that a new day is coming. There will be a time when you will start to recognize some of the good things that have come out of this. And if you're not in that space right now, one of my favorite quotes is it'll all be okay in the end. And if it's not okay now, then it's definitely not the end. Okay more will be revealed. But in the meantime, can I tell you the first thing I learned about how, how the autism ended up being something that I greatly benefited from? Uh, I know, and if that language is hard for you, take a breath and stay with me. But I realized that all the other little kids that I had known in my life who just started talking and babbling and then talking in sentences and paragraphs, that they just did it. 
and nobody made a big deal about it. Nobody celebrated, nobody danced in the street, nobody called people and said, you'll never guess what he just said. It's so exciting. They didn't celebrate this amazing miracle that happens in front of people every day. Every day, kids learn how to talk, but people don't alert the press because it happens. And when it doesn't happen, you notice. And it's a thing, right? But all I can tell you is that then when your child, whatever the hurdle is, whether it's speaking vocally or anything else, having their first friend, my goodness, we celebrated on the day that my son repeated a swear word that I had said. <laughs> because we, well, I wasn't trying to teach it and he picked it up and I was like, he's soaking it in. He's learning language organically now, right? And I celebrated on that day. One of the first gifts of autism for me is that you learn not to take anything for granted and to celebrate the hey, nani, nani of whatever happens that's amazing. Oh my gosh, the things that we have celebrated and enjoyed. I, I love the parents who will write into me and say, my child lied. Woo! And, and everybody else goes, oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry for you. While the rest of us go, because we know the perspective taking that it takes to lie. And we know how helpful for safety that lying is, right? And we go, yay, and we celebrate. So whatever there is, whenever there is, I know we've all been in different degrees of lockdown in the last year, but when you can celebrate with other people, do it. There was a period of time when I kept my child at home and stopped being with friends and start, stopped talking to people. My kid had gone through a really particular hard time where he had been hitting people. I can think of there was one day when um, I went with a friend and she her son was two and a half years older than my son. And so he was much littler. And my son just pushed him pushed him. He was standing on a little wall and my son just pushed him. And the look of the other mom's face, she, you know, she was like, that's horrible. Why would he do that? Is that the autism? As if he was some kind of a monster and that it was something we all know people will depict things that way. Right. And I kind of, I kind of went home and I didn't want to be exposed. I didn't want him to be exposed to that. I didn't want him to push somebody else and I didn't want him to be judged by other people. So I went home and stayed home for a while and we started our services at card and we started to work on these things and things got better. And then I remember the first big celebration that we had after that. I think it was when my son, I I'm pretty sure it was the year that he finished preschool or kindergarten. It was one of those years. And we decided to have a big party. We rented a warehouse and got a bouncy house and a trampoline and it was insanity. Uh, and we did all, and had slides projected on the wall and there was dancing and there was craziness and a clown and, you know, craziness. Um, I don't remember why I, I got talked into this because I kind of was dragging my feet doing it. But then we were there with all these people who had not seen us for probably a year. 
And my son was there and he was celebrating and I celebrated. And I remember standing at that party going, this is important. This part of it is important. We need to celebrate every single opportunity that we get. And we do, we do. Um, Whenever we can, however we can. And I see how that influences my son. And it, it also refreshed me to be able to go back and do more. You know, you have to, it has to be reinforcing. That's what ABA says. And if you're not celebrating, you got to celebrate. Celebrate in the way that's meaningful to you uh, and the way that you can, that's safe. I know we're still hanging on to a pandemic here, but celebrate in the way you can, whenever you can. I also tell the story that at the end of every day, when the last therapist would leave, and my husband would come home from work and I'd have been working from home. And it was just so hard to change gears from, all right, I'm working and now I'm cooking dinner and the child is, you know, not preoccupied right now. And what are we doing? And it was just, ugh, it felt wrong. And we discovered that if we played one song, we put one song on and said, that's it. The three of us, we would just dance in the living room. And it was our way of celebrating every day. And it sort of washed everything clean and it was a fresh start. So we would, two minutes and 30 seconds, you guys, we would dance it out in the living room. And here's the thing. I know that there was lots of tough days and there were hard things back then. But when I think back to that time, that's what I remember. I remember dancing in the living room. What a great memory. And I'm glad that that's what my son remembers too. He remembers dancing in the living room. So celebrate. And don't wait for somebody to invite you to celebrate. I already did. (laughs) Celebrate. Okay, moving on to tip seven. This one's important. Go with your gut. There's going to be a whole lot of people who are going to line up to tell you that you are full on cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They're going to tell you, oh, it's all in your head. They already have told you it's all in your head, whatever it is. And I'm going to tell you that it's really important to understand your gut and to go with your gut. Now, sometimes your gut will, will just be fear-based. Now that's, you got to start to be able to know the difference between when you're reacting in fear, uh, and when your gut is trying to tell you something, because I think it's very rare that an autism parent's gut isn't really close to being on the money. Right. But I don't know about you. I was told, no, it's all in your head. Right. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to go with your gut, but it's even harder to not listen to yourself and find out later on that you were right all along. So go with your gut. You're working with somebody and you don't think it's working. Go with your gut. Your kid's in a classroom with a teacher and you're like, "Eh," go with your gut. If your gut says this isn't working, that doesn't mean you got to throw the whole thing away, but it means you got to address it. So don't be afraid to face those feelings, call them out into the light, take a look at them, ask questions. And if your gut is still going five alarm fire, then listen to it. Listen to it. I, I, you know, if you talk to any psychologist, they'll tell you that there's a whole level of understanding that our bodies and our brains have that isn't, that isn't verbal. That sometimes, you know, how the hairs on the back of your neck stand up because there's, you know, danger that's coming by close. That's not some massive uh, magic trick. Your body, your brain are picking up on things that they can't quite language in your head. But it's important to go with your gut. 
uh, because all of those things are messages to you. You just may not be able to put your finger on what the message is. I will ask you to be mindful though of having yourself stop because of fear. If you feel like that might be the case, pull it out into the open and look at it because, uh, sometimes fear, I have a friend who says fear is false evidence appearing real. So pull it out into the open, say, what am I actually afraid of here? And, and whatever it is, you know, you know, name it, name it, take a good look at it in the light of the day, find somebody that you trust to talk about it with and say, here's what I'm afraid of. And then you can ask yourself a bunch of questions like, is that a realistic fear? Has that ever happened before? Is there any reason to believe it would happen? What safeguards can I put in place to make sure that that doesn't happen? What if it were this? Work it out because you don't want fear to be stopping you. you got a long way to go, but there's no place for the fear. Uh, okay, tip number eight. Dun, da, da, da. Never be the weakest person on your child's team. I used to have a sign that hung in our bathroom that said, Jem's team is only as strong as the weakest person, and that will not be me. And that, I looked at that every single day in the mirror. You know, when they're taking data on something, and let's say you have five people on your team and five people are taking data, the data is only as reliable as the person who takes it the least well. That's just the truth. Because everybody else can be taking fantastic data, but if one person is taking eh data, then your data is going to be eh, right? So never be the weakest person on the team. If you need to learn something, ask. And, and I, listen, here at Autism Live, we'll help you to figure out how you can learn it, right? There is a lot to be learned here. And there were a lot of therapists that they, excuse me, they call them behavior technicians now, but back in the day, they called them therapists. There were a lot of young people who came onto our team and worked with our child. And I'll say this, uh, I'm deeply appreciative to all of them. We had some people who, you know what I'm talking about. These people were rock stars. I'm going to name names because I can't. Peter Farrig was the first therapist that ever came to our door and he was and is a rock star. And he was amazing. And to watch him do therapy, it's, it's like better than butter pecan ice cream, right? I'm also going to say CJ Miyake. Whew. If you ever have the opportunity to watch CJ Miyake, who's been on the show many times, do therapy, oh my goodness, it is poetry in motion. He just does things and the way he, you know, can get anyone, including me, to do almost anything and be enjoying it is just unbelievable, right? Uh, and it's great when you have somebody like that on your team because it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's just like butter, right? But then there were other people on our team who... Uh, I, I'm going to say this, that sometimes it was a struggle that my son wouldn't do things for them. And I know the instinct is to not have those people be on the team. And I'm so glad that I had people like people, people like Peter Farrig on my team to say to me, don't do that. Don't do that because he has to go to school and there are going to be people there that he, you know, this is going to happen and he has to be able to solve it. 
So we want him to be able to do all the things he can, regardless of who he's talking to. And you know how sometimes you just jive with somebody and you're like, Ooh, we got so much done. We just, we can do that. Right. And then other times you get assigned to something and you're working with somebody and you're like, I don't even understand what you're saying. <laughs> it's like, you're speaking another language. We're not speaking. Like we don't have a way to communicate to each other. And it's really, uh, and I see a lot of people shut down and quit and, you know, cause they can't make that work. Not my son. My son can work with anybody and he does, you know, which is absolutely amazing. But he got that skill because he worked with different people and he didn't always work with somebody who, that he just automatically got him. Right. Uh, so, you know, there are going to be people on your team that are woo, and there are going to be people who ha speak a different language, maybe literally and maybe figuratively. Uh, but my whole thing was I want to be somebody on the team that moves and shakes. If there are people on this team that know how to do X, Y, and Z, well, then I want to know how to do X, Y, and Z. I want to be a member of this team and I want to be able to proudly carry the card that says I am a member of this team, right? So do that for yourself. I will tell you that the dividends are off the chart fabulous. That when my kid was little, one of the biggest things I used to mourn was, are we ever going to be able to go places and do things and I'm going to know he's okay? Or am I going to have to watch him constantly every single minute of every day in order to make sure he's safe? And oh my gosh, I travel all over the place with my son now and he's the best travel companion and I never have those kinds of fears. Uh, but I, I have a good time with him because I learned the things that these people know. So do it. Don't be the workest, weakest per. I can't talk. Don't be the weakest person on the team. All right, tip number nine. Oh my gosh. I don't think there's anything more, more important on this list. Build your child's self-esteem. This starts with however you are going to identify, you know, a label to your child or decide not to identify a label to your child. If you are using the word autism, every single time it comes out of your mouth, it should be a positive thing. It absolutely should be a positive thing because anything that you are using as a descriptor of your child, about your child or to your child should be a positive thing. I know that this kind of just like feels like, well, duh, except that sometimes we forget this, right? Uh, that your child is a whole person and how they identify themselves is a whole, whole thing. I think this is a lesson that we've learned from the self-advocates that back in the years when we used to say that, well, you know, we're, we're battling autism. And the self-advocates would say to us, That's, you, that means you're battling me. And we would all go, no, it doesn't mean that. And then we started to listen and go, oh, if that's what that says to you, then I'm not going to language it that way anymore. I, I'm going to look at this in a different way. So be careful how you're talking about autism because autism is a part of your child. So be positive about it. And, and that's an amazing thing, right? But then there are other things that you can do too to build your child's self-esteem. You gotta tell them that they're amazing. And every person should tell their child that, right? I, 
every child is a gift, every child. And certainly that is true of our kids. So language it for them, but we know that there's more than one language of love, right? For some kids, it's gonna be saying it to them. And I think we need to be saying it to all of them. Uh, but we're also going to show them and we're going to pay attention to what ways we show our child that we see that they feel it. You'll know when you find your child's love language because their demeanor changes. When somebody feels loved and accepted, how they breathe, how they hold themselves changes. Now, for some kiddos, it's going to be a cuddle makes them feel that. And I would say cuddle them. But while you're cuddle, cuddling them, tell them how much you love them and how awesome they are and how perfect they are. We get into this thing where if our child is behind on learning, we, we want to focus on that, right? Or if they're behaving in a way that isn't productive or is challenging or, or we, we focus on that, right? Uh, but let's, let's keep all that separate. Let's, let's, the, the child's behavior is over here. The child is here. Let's make sure that we tell that child, you are perfect and I love you. And, and, and there's you know, nothing in the world that I love more than you. So some children, it's, you know, what, what you, they like gifts and things, and that doesn't have to be money spent, but they like when you give them something. So even you make their favorite pancakes, that's when they feel loved, right? So you do that. You say to them as you're giving them the pancakes, you know, I, I love you so much. I made your favorite pancakes. Aren't you the most amazing kiddo on the face of the planet? You deserve these pancakes, right? Uh, whatever their love language is, language it on top of it and, and shower them in the love of the fact that they are perfect. Uh, that, you know, when we're teaching somebody something, again, we're not changing who they are. So let's focus on telling them you are perfect the way you are. Are we going to teach you more things, give you more skills like everyone else on the planet? Yes, of course we are. Because why? Because we love you. That's not changing you. We're not changing anybody. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're running out of time here. So uh, let's go on to tip number 10. Okay. Get smart with, I've cried so much, my nose is full. Uh, get smart with a dollar sign. Let's face it, that having a child who has special needs is expensive and it's more expensive than having a child who doesn't have special needs, right? There's things that you're going to have to do. There's going to be work that you're going to miss. There's going to be times when uh, you're going to have to make choices, prioritize, again, how you're going to spend your money. So, but here's the thing. There is more help and support for autism now and funding for autism treatment than there's ever been before. I can't guarantee how long that's going to last. None of us should get squishy comfortable with that and assume that it's going to be great because the truth is, is it's already starting to diminish because insurance companies are making people go through bigger and bigger litmus tests to be reauthorized for treatment. 
So uh, that's part of why I said at the beginning, use everything that you can, because there's no guarantee how long you're going to have it. But it, it's bigger than that. You got to use your resources in the way that make the most sense. So I loved that somebody sat down early on with us and said, make a list, put all of your assets over here and then put any challenges that you can immediately think of on this side. And then let's look at the asset column and say, is there anything here that can help out with that? You're also going to have to start asking yourself what requires me and what doesn't require me. It may have been, you know, that you were the PTA president and that you always ran the PTA bake sale. But you might have to have a hard conversation with yourself and say, will the PTA bake sale happen without me if I don't do it? Will somebody else take it on? And maybe they won't do it quite the way I wanted them to do, but the PTA bake sale is not in my top 10. Not this year. It might be in another year. And so you say, I'm letting go of that for now. Not forever, but I'm letting go of that for now because I'm going to focus my energies on something else. So you ask yourself, what can you do that nobody else can do? I'm going to tell you that it's very likely that there is financial help for you that will also help you separate. You're going to need to know what you need to do and what other people need to do. There are states in the United States that already have grants in place to help families to be able to support their kids. Here in California, there is funding through the state uh, where you have to apply for it and it takes a long time, sometimes upwards of a year, but they will pay you to take care of your child. So what they do is they evaluate and they look and they go, okay, what, what can a, a child who's six years old who doesn't have any additional challenges do? And what does a parent of a child with special needs have to do that's above and beyond that? So a six-year-old, we really can't expect that a six-year-old is doing their own laundry and paying their own bills, right? That would be crazy. Uh, but we would expect for a six-year-old to uh, be able to do other things by themselves. Like a six-year-old might be able to take a bath by themselves and be trusted to be alone for 10 minutes in the bathtub. Depends on the six-year-old. I don't want to, you know, you have to know for your six-year-old. But for a lot of kids on the autism spectrum, I would say that's a big no. That, you know, I would not know. Uh, I, I would want to be in that bathroom and make sure that they're water safe and that they're okay. My goodness, the number one cause of death for autism is drowning. I wouldn't suggest leaving a six-year-old on the autism spectrum in the bath alone. So now somebody has to be in there while they're doing it. Uh, a six-year-old without challenges probably can dress themselves, but a six-year-old on the spectrum might need help and support to do that. And that is time. A six-year-old who doesn't have challenges goes to school and they're at school and then they come home from school. A six-year-old on the spectrum goes to school and then has to be picked up and driven to the center to have autism services. That means someone has to pick them up in the car and take them to the center and then come back and get them. That's all time. And so this, uh, this, the state of California looks at that and says, we will pay you for anything that's above and beyond. And this is a whole evaluation process that they go through. Um, and it's an amazing 
a, an amazing thing for families in the state of California. We're hoping that more states will do that. But we are seeing other things happen in other states. There are grants in the state of Cal uh, Colorado that are for autism parents. And, and I can't go through all of the different states and all of the different things they have, partially because it's a lot, which is great, but ours also partially because I don't even know all the things that are available in your state. So this is why you gotta get smart. I suggest finding a, a, an autism group that's local where, where you can go and, and it can be online. These things have all gotten virtual. You can go there and ask questions of other families. There's always one mom who's got the skinny, who knows all of the things and you want to make friends with her. Sometimes it's a dad. I don't want to be sexist, uh, but you know, uh, whoever it is, you want to make friends with them and say, can I buy you a, a coffee and pick your brain for a second, right? We want to be respectful of their time, but usually that parent is thrilled to share what they know because it was hard earned. And if they can save you time, it feels good, right? And they'll say to you what was said to me when I said to a family, how am I ever going to repay you for showing me good quality ABA? When I think about where we might have been, how am I ever going to repay you? And what they said was, Shannon, you pay that forward, girl. You get right out there and you make sure you tell other people and look where I am, right? So they probably this person will say, make sure you tell the next one. And that's how we go. That's how we do this. Si se puede, right? Holding hands. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Everybody gets squishy about the money thing. Don't get squishy about the money thing. It might make the difference of whether you're able to do all the things that you want to do and stay sane and not lose your house or your car or whatever. So get super smart. Eventually too, you're going to see right now you're like, I don't, I don't know any of these, you know, there's grants really. Yes. There's a lot of funding that's out there, but you got to key into it and it's all different. And it's all different criteria. So go where the people know and ask questions. The other thing that I'm going to say to you is that once you start to identify grants, you got to think realistically and smart. So for instance, you will find that there are some grants that are just for iPads. Okay, great. And then there are other grants that are for other things that include iPads, but maybe include a trampoline that you could get a trampoline for your child in the background because they like to bounce, right? So don't waste the the tramp the the trampoline money because you you know and say, "Well, I I got an iPad with that grant." If it says you know, there's a grant that's only for an iPad, use your money there, and the one that says we can do an iPad or a trampoline, use it for the trampoline. I know that sounds like an embarrassment of riches, but uh an equality problem, but get smart. Be willing to look at this from the point of view of somebody that says other people have figured this out before, so there must be a way, so I'm going to figure it out. I, I also love to say that when you're going after Moby Dick, pack the tartar sauce. So don't you love that from Life's Little Instruction Booklets? When you're going after Moby Dick, pack the tartar sauce. So if your goal is to help your child to make the most progress, to have the best life that they can have, then... Part of that is setting yourself up to be financially okay. What was the third thing on my list? Making sure that we weren't homeless, right? Or was that second? No, it was third. Uh, and, and can I tell you, I didn't do so good on this. I stopped asking because I asked a group of people and they were like, no, there's nothing. Uh, 
there was, there was stuff there. I, I didn't know about the state paying for me to take care of my child. If I had, I don't know, things would have been different. Uh, I don't want you to go through what we went through. So get smart. All right. So those are my top 10 tips. I think Traven, if I'm accurate here, I've got about four minutes left. Tell me if that's about accurate. So let me say this in parting, that I have had the great privilege to meet some of the most amazing people on the planet since my son was diagnosed with autism. And some of them are amazing advocates, people who identify themselves as being on the autism spectrum. Oh my gosh, some of the most amazing people in the world. Some of them have been people who selflessly work all day with people on the autism spectrum. I said, when I came to work at CARD after my son graduated from CARD, I said, it's like being a place where everybody is at the top of their game and they care so much. Whew, what an exciting whirlwind to be around these amazing young people and to have learned from them. I'm so grateful. And then I, I have to be honest that there's a whole other category of people that I've met that are parents of individuals on the spectrum. What a group of people you folks are. Man, oh man, have you given me hope and, and taught me and nurtured me and my son along the way. And I hope that in some small way, I've been able to pay all of you back through doing this show over the last 10 years. I just going to say this, this is not the end. This is a graduation. This is, I hope this is the caterp caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Uh, and that we're just going to see things from new and different points of view. Yeah. But uh, it's not the end. It's a beginning. So uh, there are a few people that I got to thank before I leave. I want to thank Tony Kilgore for giving us the opportunity to have our butterfly wings because without him, I don't think this would have happened. I really want to thank uh, Julie Kornack for making such a difference at CARD and for spearheading this whole project of us rolling over into doing our own thing. I want to thank Doreen Grandpichet, Dr. Doreen Grandpichet, without whom none of this would be here. And I'm so grateful that as we step into this new adventure that she's willing to come with us to continue doing Ask Dr. Doreen. So that is just one of the greatest thrills in my life. But I also want to thank every single card therapist, every single card therapist past and present for the work that you do with our kiddos. Because the truth is, I made a deal on my bedroom floor one night when things were at their worst, when my kid wouldn't sleep, he wasn't talking, and all he was doing was hitting and biting me. And I said, please, to the God of my understanding, please help me to know what to do. And if you show me what to do, I'll do it. And I'll help. If you help me help my kid, I'll turn around and help others. And the very next day, my work sent me to the home of a family who told me about card for the first time. The very next day. I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, so I... I have tried here to pay it forward, but I want to thank all of the people because if my son had not made the progress that he made, I wouldn't have been able to come here, right? That was the deal. 
you help him make progress and I'll, I'll do whatever I can. And I'm going to continue doing that uh, until, <laughs> until I can't do it anymore. So stay tuned because this is not over. This is just beginning. And we've got some new stories to tell you and some new places to go. And we will go there together. You know what I always say, we hold hands, we get there together. Si se puede. So to all of my card family, you will always be a part of our heart. You will always be a part of our story. We will always be grateful for you. And now watch us fly. My friends, I will see you next week in a new format. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.